Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank, and hello, listeners. How you doing? <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now Amazon Music Podcasts. Be sure to head over to YouTube where you can see Frank fully nude. Uh, while you're there, you'll notice uh, that we're not alone. We've got a, a visitor with us this week. That's right. And for any new listeners out there, there's a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other. We review them. We have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight series, right, Mark, where we dig into a band's catalog and we see what comes out on the other side. That's right, Frank. Or in our verse series where we pick two albums against each other and we duke it out for total stereo domination. <laughs> Be sure to check out our Instagram page and our new Facebook group. Uh, we like to drop additional content there that will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and, of course, Mark's random nonsense. Uh, and if you have a record that you want us to uh, check out and review, just drop us a comment wherever you find us. And while you're at it, subscribe, like, and review. So I say this, Mark, how are you, my friend? Frankie. I am very excited this week. How about you? Good, good. We're super excited because we have Ross Gordon from the band Cold Years. And of course, Cold Years is a band hailing from Aberdeen, Scotland. So Ross, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Happy to be here. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, appreciate your time. It's considerably colder in where I am right now, where you are. So uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> It was uh, 93 degrees out when I got in my car this afternoon to buy scotch for this. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with uh, the Aberdeen, Scotland music scene, uh, Cold Years formed in 2014. They released three EPs uh, and just released their first full-length album, Paradise. Yep. Which, which I have right here, Ross. I got it right here. <laughs> That's cool. Frank likes it a little bit. Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah, and, and my daughters love it too, by the way, because I was blasting it in the house the, the other day. Uh, so, Ross, if you just want to introduce yourself a little bit, uh, talk to us your role in the band, what you play, and what your favorite dirty magazines are. My favorite dirty magazines? <laughs> oh, man, I, don't, uh, I can't even remember the last time I bought a dirty magazine. Probably a long time ago because, uh, yeah, the iPhone changed everything. But I, I actually don't know, to be honest. It's not really a thing in this country. I, I guess we got Hustler. You, oh, you, you get Hustler in the States, yeah. I've never really bought it. I don't really care about it. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I question pornography if I've actually purchased myself. It's always just there. Somebody it's always like, has it. Look, and I question, Frank read that line. I thought he'd see it and, and skip it, but I got him. <laughs> we had like these really uh, pathetic magazines in the UK a few years ago called like FHM or like Nuts which is like promoting this thing called lad culture, which I fucking hate. So <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't really buy dirty magazines, but uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah. So I play guitar and, and sing in the band and I, uh, I write most of the lyrical content, I guess you could say for each of the songs. So um, yeah, we've been a band since like 2014 and uh, we just released our first full length album on a, a label and it's been a really fun experience and it's it's been delayed a couple of times and coronavirus has definitely shaped how that release worked but it's it's been really really cool and we're all really glad to finally get it out uh, in the open for people to hear. I was doing a little research Ross about uh, the band and, and what you guys got into and I noticed uh, a few of the guys mentioned you had to kind of get them drunk to talk them into the band. Is there a <laughs> there anything any any fun stories you'd like to yeah we're, as a, a as a group of individuals uh we don't like to behave that often with that so it, it was like i think mainly because we come from a place where there's nothing to do but drink um so we kind of met in a bar one night and i kind of already told them that uh they were all in this band but they actually weren't they hadn't agreed to it uh so we drank a lot of whiskey and kind of sorted it out and then like a couple of weeks later we we're in a rehearsal room so it worked. Oh, yeah. yeah, something you said must have influenced them enough to come to come back, right? <laughs> well, we'd all played in bands before together, but not as all four of us, but we'd like, I'd individually been in bands with everybody else in the band. So like, all the guys, we'd all been in bands separately. Um, so we kind of knew what we were getting into anyway. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So, and, and there's no Dirty Magazine question that Mark 
threw me for a loop here. The next question, just so you know. <laughs> but, um, so let's, well, we could talk about like uh, the cliches to describe kind of, uh, you know, a band and, and how they sound. But, but if you can, how would you say elevator pitch, right? How would you describe your sound to someone who's just discovering you or is asking what you sound like? I think like, um, it's kind of hard to, to put it on a shelf because I think it covers like quite a wide variety of, of musical genre or like we're all influenced by different people. So I, I grew up on like punk rock and, and thinly really like classic stuff. Mm. We like 50s rock and roll, Fraser's in a hardcore, like we all like different things. So I think it all kind of, it kind of crosses over, but I would say it's probably around, you know, rock and roll or, or punk rock or that kind of shelf space. I think it kind of, it fits in there and it's all, um, like a lot of the tracks, I guess, are, are descriptive of the surroundings. Like, so they're all, I like talk about the weather a lot because I feel like it's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I think it, it can be, I try and make it as positive sounding as possible, but maybe it doesn't come across that way all the time. But it's definitely like, I think a lot of the bands I grew up with definitely shaped this. I think when you first start out as a band, you want to just sound like everybody you like. And it took yeah. us a long time to really find the sound. And I think on this record, we have now got a sound that's us. Quick follow-up to that too, because prior to you getting on, Mark and I were just talking about kind of you know the 50s rock and roll and, and kind of that, that, that meshing of, of punk and, and rock and roll. And I know on, on uh, your, your Spotify list of songs, you have Social Distortion on there. We love them. We've seen them many times, Mark and I. Do you, would you say that, that they kind of started that, that punk rock and roll type sound? Or, yeah, or what's your I thoughts think, on that? I think Mike Ness is the coolest person in, in the entire planet. And I absolutely love social distortion. I'd say that he was probably a pioneer yeah. in, in so many words, because even from the aesthetic that he has with slick hair and like, you know, all this gold jewelry and like all these old fifties tattoos and like boxing and cars and all that kind of stuff. I think it's yeah, really the cool. classic cars. Yeah. Yeah. He drives like Cadillacs and, and yeah, he wears like these fedora hats and fifties suits and stuff. It's really cool. I think it's a really cool mesh of like, vintage style and, and contemporary punk rock. And I think yeah. they, as a band, definitely pioneered that. They also, all their albums sound roughly the same, but that's a good thing with Social Distortion is that they never needed to change the formula of what they had because it just it always worked. It was straight, simple and worked. So yeah. I like him because he's a, he's a real family person as well. And he's obviously, he had like a pretty severe addiction to heroin at one point in his life and managed to overcome that and made Social Distortion an even more successful band as a result of that. I think like great band. Totally. And his whole albums are really good too. Mark and I used to be in a, it was just me on guitar and Mark on drums. We were in a band called cheating on, uh, cheating at solitaire, uh, which was based on his first solo album. So that was, that was, that was fun. And his son plays, uh, with Jay Jackson, Elliot. who Jay Jackson is fantastic too. If, if, yeah. Elliot, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Or Julian, right? Julian. Sorry, Julian. Yeah. yeah I, I remember watching, I can't remember where it was. I saw social distortion, but Mike had broken his arm. Yeah. And kicked the guitar on a tour and his son came along and uh, he also looks really cool. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about Mike Ness. So like he never ages. Like he, he's honestly the coolest guy alive. <laughs> I think he just, yeah. What yeah. a band. And Johnny as well. Like, they're just such a good band. Like, I know. I just love him so much. Cool dude. You know, you made an interesting point about, uh, how their albums kind of sound the same. They all sound very distinctly uh, social distortion. Um, yep. And Frank and I were kind of going through these records and, and listening to kind of you guys progress through the EPs into the full length. Uh, I couldn't help but notice, obviously, you guys have an EP called Northern Blues and then uh, a, a separate track, Northern Blues, shows up on the album. Is there a, a connection from the EP to the record or is this an extension of the idea? What were you guys going for with that? I think I just wanted to tip a hat to something that we'd done ages ago. I think the thing is like between the two albums, I went through a lot of personal stuff. So that I think a lot of the record now covers what I was going through sort of end of 2018 through 2019. And I think it was a particularly bad couple of years for me. Um, and I think that the, the record covers that pretty, I mean, it's not hard to tell what a lot of the songs are about. Totally. Um, but I think it was like a little tap goodbye because I think, that era of our band that like, up until we'd written these new songs was over. Like, I think it was kind of shutting a door on something that we'd done before. I think like it's like even sound wise, like we'd moved into a sort of 
more kind of punk rock kind of vibe on the on the record and we weren't scared to write an album that we really wanted to write and i think it was before i mean it's it's much easier when you're recording four songs in two days on a on an ep with a full length you really get the chance to open up the door and kind of go for whatever you want and you can have a little more variety on there and you can really push for what you want and i think like that that song title was just a little goodbye to to what we were before i think to me very cool. Yeah, definitely. Like there's themes on the album, like you said, that you could tell, you know, what, what, what you're writing about, but I, it, I think it, it really does a great job. And this is me kind of being a little bit of a fanboy now, so I do apologize, but it really does a good job of, of people being able to relate to everything. I know on the song 31, your sister got married. My sister actually got recently married too, a couple of years ago. And that was a very reflective day three years ago. My apologies. <clears throat> very reflective day for me. And it's, you know, a lot of these things are kind of questioning where we're at in life and kind of where we're going. It's a struggle I think a lot of people go with. So I think you did a great job and love the last track too, Hunter, which is, um, I know about your dog. Is that correct? Yeah. So I always wanted to write. So I think uh, animals are just as important as people. I don't have kids, I have dogs. So I think I've never really heard a song about someone grieving the loss of a dog, but it didn't really matter whether it was a dog or a person. He's still my friend. So yeah. That was the kind of thing there where I just wanted to convey that regardless of whether he was an animal or a child or whatever, he's still my friend. So. Yeah. And, you know, I have two young daughters and they've been asking for a dog and, and that like that song kind of hit me because it, it's it's a, almost a fear of mine of like that. And that's where there's been a hesitation to them uh, yeah. in reference to that. But I know it's been important to them. And if one does jump in this room, I do apologize real quick. But, <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh, something that I definitely connected with for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So about Paradise, again, Mark and I have definitely looked at several interviews and there was one a couple of weeks ago where I know the, it's kind of a sarcastic play on words with Paradise because where you're at is you're dark, cold, gloomy, all those things. And I don't want to hammer that home because I definitely understand it. But like sonically, so what were you, did you have an intention sonically as to what you were going for on this album? And, and do you feel that you were able uh, to reach that. I know in that same interview a couple weeks ago, you said you'll write songs and then like one day it's good, one day it's not good, which I've totally, I totally get that. Um, but what was the intent going in uh, with, with Paradise and do you think you achieved it? I think for me, it was finally just getting to do what we really wanted to do. We had a, we had a whole album written at the end of 2018 that we went on a tour and then I did a lot of writing on that tour and came back and we scrapped the old album and started again because it just felt like everything that we'd done up until the point we signed with E1 for this next album just wasn't good enough. And then when something's not good enough, rather than run with it and just hope it would be okay, I just went, nah, let's just start again. And I think they respected us for that. It obviously added a lot more time in the process for when they would get a product, but they were really supportive of it because they were like, it's your debut record. We want you to write the best record you can write. Uh, we want you to come out with a bang. So I think we did that. And I think like, Sonically, for me, I just wanted to do something that I'd kind of grown up with, which, you know, for me was punk rock. And I think we really got away with doing that on this album. Like, we really got the opportunity to do that. Like, if you, I know this is like the geek kind of thing, but my guitar tracks on this record are two vintage Les Paul Juniors cranked through two Marshall JSA 100s. That's it. There's no bullshit. There's no flair. There's no fancy effects. I didn't spend hours in the studio sitting there figuring out how I want my guitar to sound. I knew how I wanted my guitar to sound. I wanted it to sound like someone getting hit in the face. And that was essentially what we did. We took a really stripped back view of it. Like we worked long hours in that studio with Neil. Um, we worked, Neil would finish work at five, six and go home and he would leave us the keys to the studio and we'd work all night recording because Lee uh, is, a, is a recording engineer. So we, we really like, we were really hungry for it. And I think we had this vision of what we wanted the songs to sound like because we demoed them relentlessly before we went before we went in the studio with we eighty songs for Paradise Written. Huh. And we ended up stripping them back. We got into twenty. We took those twenty songs and redemoed them and redemoed them and rewrote them and changed things up and, and then finally, for the first time ever, I think, we went into a studio environment knowing exactly what we wanted, which yeah. was crazy. Apart from one song, there was a song called Too Far Gone in there that we wrote in the studio. Yeah. Um, that was pieced together over like a day from scratch. It was terrifying. But the rest of it was all, you know, we, we knew exactly what we wanted. You, you mentioned Les Paul Juniors. I was just going to say, because I saw you play a telly at one point. I didn't know if the telly made it onto the record also. No, I had this telly. It was a, 
it was from a company in California called the LSL. Yeah. Black Lemon. Uh, and they're like vintage 50s based spec Telecasters. And when I was playing, like, I mean, I run a lot of game now. I didn't run a lot of game before. I didn't really have a punchy tone. I played a lot of open cards. Now it's just power cards. And I play Les Paul Juniors. I've got a Stratcaster, a JB, and a Bridge. I, I like Les Pauls. I love Juniors. I'm actually trying to get another one. I'm trying to get a double cut one right now because I have two single cuts. One of them's black and the other one's sunburst and they're both beat so much. Like that's why I love those guitars. The, the more trash they get, the cooler they look. Um, and they're so simple. Like, but I used all the songs, the only, okay. So for every rec, every song on this record, I used the Les Pauls. And then I used, uh, Neil Kennedy had this thing called a Novo. I don't know if you know what Novo is. It's like a custom Telecaster kind of S guitar. It's like okay. nitro paint, super light. Okay. And it had B90 in it. And it just added a bit of top-end chime. Nice. But a lot of the time, it was just juniors. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, this you can really hear the, the thoughtfulness throughout this record and the, the time you guys spent putting it together and really, really cleaning it up. Because uh, it's interesting with you describing it as such a punk rock record. Because that's not, not that it, it doesn't feel punk rock, but it doesn't, that's not the first feeling you get from it. Right. And I was noticing the connection between uh, the opening track of 31 and then down towards the end, we get 62, uh, My Generation Falling Apart. Were you trying to connect those two songs? Um, and, and how do you feel like, if I'm not just pulling this out of my ass, how do you, how do you feel you did with connecting them and, and the experience that they, they make? So the numbers aren't connected. Ah. Uh, what? So 31, I was 31 when I watched my sister get married and my life was in the gutter. And I think that one, that one was like a, a kind of reflection on that. And the 62 number represents the proportion of people in Scotland that voted against Brexit. That's so right. okay. we took a political stance on that. But to me, like all the songs are connected. They all have like one common theme or yeah. several common themes uh, based from everything from, from wanting real love to like self-destruction to, to just going a bit crazy. And I think and this feeling of like isolation and like being trapped somewhere that you don't want to be, whether that's either in a relationship that's going south or in a job that you don't like or in a city that you don't like. And it just so happened I had all three of those things happen to me at the same time. So it, it really, and it took a lot of it out on partying, but you know, there's a lot in there about like wanting things that I didn't have. And it, it's weird because once the record kind of was finished, I started getting the things that I wanted. And it's like, it's just a weird, it was a weird time. And I think like, I look back on some of those songs now and I'm just like, shit, it was a really bad time. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that's not the current situation. Right. But yeah, they all kind of carry the same message. Um, Cause I really like uh, songwriters who can, like if one typical band that did this for me, Alkaline Trio, as I was yeah. a kid, every single one of their songs, I can relate to a specific time in my life growing up. And I think like bands that can write a song that the lyrics can be interpreted in the person who's listened to them's own way, so they can adapt the song to reflect their own life. I really wanted to do that. So a lot of the lyrics on this record are open-ended. They're not like specifically about, I mean, some of the songs are, I mean, if you listen to like Electricity or any of those songs, they're pretty straight on about what they're about, but right. some of them are quite open. People can interpret them differently. Yeah, that, that again has a really big universal uh, appeal to it. And like you said, who hasn't had that feeling of wanting to get out of a job or or a certain place, a relationship, whatever whatever the scenario may be. And good calling the Alkaline Trio. Mark and I are definitely big big fans. I know you had Warbrain on your uh, Spotify yeah, playlist, which is a fantastic was. tune. I mean, uh, we could probably name we could probably have a whole episode just talking about Alkaline Trio tunes. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I as an aside. I would say that, oddly enough, even though it is a full album of B-sides, I still think Remains is one of the best things they ever did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And live, I remember, uh, at, did we see him live together, Mark? I don't know if we did, but I was even... We did? Yeah. Uh, even impressed more with Dan uh, live than I was. I liked him on the record, but live, I thought he really did an amazing job of, of holding it together, too. I've seen Alkaline to eight or nine times, and I think the best... The first time I saw them was when Good Morning came out and Matt still had uh, problems with his voice. Yeah. I saw them, the last time I saw them was on the Agony and Irony tour and they opened with Colin All Skeletons. And I have to say, it's probably one of the coolest openings to any show I've ever seen because they had this air raid siren that went off and all the lights went dark. And I, I, it's like, again, we could talk about a country. Yeah. Uh, but there's, I don't know if you've seen it, the show must go off. This thing we did at the Chicago Ballroom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they all dressed like 
dead priests. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. That's before Matt was using like the Les Pauls exclusively for a while. He was like on the Jaguars, I think he was using. Yeah, those. yeah, he had some custom guitar, and I can't remember if he made them. They were weird. They were like he had a single call one and a humbucker one, and they were yeah. red and black. They were really cool. But he, yeah, they. I, I when I, I only met him once. And when I met Derek, he just recently had like all the symbols of the satanic Bible tattooed on the back of his arms and stuff. And he was going through this weird phase where he was like worshiping on Olave. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in a real way. Really cool. He's got a solo record too, I believe, right, Derek? He does, yeah. He's also started unearthing a lot of stuff that he did when he was a kid. If you look at his Instagram page, he has like his first demos and like all this weird stuff like cover songs. Uh, it's really, really cool. Cool. Yeah, I met him outside of a uh, an Alkaline Trio Bouncing Souls show. Yeah, and he was going on Anton Levey and like and just w like was just like, "Hey, have you read this?" And I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! I want to talk about records." And you were like, "We're on two different ships right now." I had uh, a girlfriend recently read the this. I gave her a copy of the Satanic Bible to read it, and she thought most of it was just bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not wrong. But, you know, there's some good ideas in there. I mean, he was a bit of a misogynistic. <laughs> he was entirely. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean. Good answers for the Dirty Magazine question. Yeah, yeah. I would say the Satanic Bible's a dirty magazine. Oh, yeah. Almost, it falls under that category. There but then go. there's this weird section in the middle with all the spells, which I kind of thought was really odd. <laughs> and I was trying to read this thinking, does this actually, do people do this? <laughs> right, it makes you start wondering, right? Does this actually yeah. occur? <laughs> Witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, offshoot question on the Matt Ski, but do you, do you, how do you feel he fits with Blink currently? Great. I think Tom DeLonge is, was the worst singer in the history of music. So I, I, actually, I actually think that uh, as, as much as I hate the fact that it's put a lot of delays on Alkaline Trail. Alkaline Trail stuff, right. I know they're coming back. Like, yeah. And their new, their new EP, the new EP that they did was great. Um, yeah, that was a great EP. Absolutely. It was great. I think it was probably the best thing they've done in a long time I, I also think at the time like his secrets records were really yeah. good yeah and then, and then he did Heaven, like, I like Heavens, Heavens I, I think Heavens is fantastic also and he also did oh, I can't remember the name of the band it's just completely popped up my head but it was called Savla Ronaquins was the EP and it had this The Hell do you remember The Hell he did The Hell it I don't think like, I know that one no but I will Garage Punk Rock it's on um, Spotify they only did one album okay it was, it was like three minute long Songs. There's a song in there called Gasoline. It's, it's so cool. Like, it's okay. Really cool. I'll check that out. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I know songwriting, it, like, like, I feel you're the songwriter where it's, it's really about, about the music. And I appreciate that because those are the people kind of I look up to and, and the, the quality of the songs are super important and really trying to figure out how to do things to make things maybe not sound sound the same so i i and again in that interview three weeks ago you stated you have lost songs that could be a potential next album what mm. i'm always fascinated by this what is a songwriter like how do you i guess construct a song to go ahead and make it maybe not sound like this or have a different different uh vibe to the other songs are you doing anything with the tuning uh, are you using capos like what does that look like in your brain when you're kind of constructing a song uh it, it differs so like I used to use a lot of cap capo. You guys call them capos. We call them capos. I don't know, but I, I from, can't I'm from New York originally, so the vowels. I, you know, I can't. I actually can't stand them. I used to write a lot of music on acoustic guitars and use capos for everything. And you know, I got to the point where we're playing live, and I would have to be changing. I mean, another person who let's not uh, celebrate him because he is a an evil person but ryan adams used a lot of capos and he uh I know, dude. He, he did that where he would like he would watch him live and he would like every song he would change guitar or change tuning i can't stand it like my my, my system now is really super simple i don't use capos at all i use bar cards on everything and even a lot of the old songs i've transcribed live to just have this simple setup and it's and like writing is different so like i i uh, people always have this romantic idea of songwriters carrying around a book and a pen that's all crap everyone's got an iphone like i <laughs> i use an iphone and if i'm sitting on a train or like a or i've sometimes i've actually got this app on my phone that records voice and i if you listen to it a lot of it like some of the recordings are just like single sentences or some of them are just melodies that i'll sing if i'm driving home in traffic and i'm stuck and i'm bored and i come up with something or 
sometimes we'll get in a room and write a song as a full band from scratch. Sometimes we've all got home recording rigs. Like I've yeah. got Logic. So a lot of us will do that. Or yeah, it, it, it changes every single time. But I don't think there's ever a real concerted effort ever to try and make something sound different. I don't really care about that. If it, it's going to sound how it's going to sound. Um, and I think with this album, we really tried to, to not emulate what anybody else was doing. Because one thing I hate about the UK, like fantastically, there's like all these South Coast punk bands who've all got rich parents who all sound the fucking same. And I, 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 we made such a huge effort to try and stray away from that because I yeah. call them fashion bands. Yeah? And it, what happens is you have one band that blows up and does that. And then in a small place like Aberdeen where there's virtually no diversity in culture, uh, one band will then try to emulate that and then everybody else emulates that. And then what happens is you end up with no diversity and you're seeing you end up with a bunch of bands doing the same thing. Same thing happened when hardcore was big here in like 2011, 2012. Okay. All bands ended the same. No one did anything different and you end up in a really stagnant scene. And then you're, you're essentially expelled from that because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. So I think like for us, we just wanted to do something different and thought, screw it, I don't really care what I do. I think. Like that yeah. was a big part. Real quick follow up to that: When you say all the bands are emulating a certain punk sound, like what if you had to just give me a band that they were trying to go after? What would you say it was? Milk Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand that band. Uh, Milk Teeth, or I don't know. I don't really care enough about any of them to. to right. I, I don't know. Okay. Probably, um, hot. Uh, tell you who's really good. Who I got into the other day? Hot Milk. They are so good. I don't know if you've heard Hot Milk. No, they're not a no. No, or uh, I also got into Microwave. I don't know if you've heard Microwave. I don't know. Actually, I haven't heard of them either. Wow. Them. So we're, we're getting schooled right now. <laughs> try them. Microwave. Yeah. yeah, try Microwave. If you like punk rock, you'll love Microwave. <laughs> I've heard of Neutral Milk Hotel, but obviously not Hot Milk. Yeah. No, no, Hot Milk. Cool. Actually, I saw them. They support Def Vanna uh, last time I saw them, and they, they were really, really cool, and they were just different. They, they're, I think like so many, it's actually really depressing because to me, the only real like rocker, I guess you could call a metal band that's ever managed to successfully mix electronic music with guitars, other than Enter Shikari is always going to be Bring Me The Horizon. And the problem is now all these other bands are trying to copy that. So you have like, I mean, probably the worst band that's ever come out of Scotland, Twin Atlantic, uh, tried to do it. And it was, yeah, it was absolute horseshit. I think it, it was one of the worst albums I'd ever heard in my life. And then you have like, I don't know, Yumi and Six did it. And then you had like Death of Anna tried to do it. And yeah. none of them have really achieved what Ollie Sykes or anybody from them. <laughs> like Bring Me The Horizon are probably one of the most incredible bands in the world right now. And I'm not a huge fan of that music. I, I, right. I'm not, I don't listen to metal, but I love their albums. Like, I could literally they're just so clever and like I think they're doing something totally different and everybody else has jumped on that bandwagon and tried to copy it and they're feeling miserable like it's it's really bad so um yeah it happens on a larger scale too I guess oh yeah I can imagine with you uh you mentioning what a a small community Aberdeen is and and how hard it is to to grow sonically there with without there being other influences except for the bands feeding off each other when you guys kind of found a little bit of success in, in Germany, if I understand correctly, and started going there regularly. Were you guys finding more things to, to help grow what your sound was like and, and what you were trying to create by experiencing that, that different culture? Yeah, I think Turin is like, anybody asks you when, um, one piece of advice you would give to someone when they're starting a band is to get in the van because Turing grows you as a person. It yeah. also, it not only expands the, the demographic of people that listen to your music, but it, it, it teaches you quite a lot. And it, you, I write a lot when I'm on tour because there's, there's a lot of downtime, so you don't really have anything else to do. So I, I tend to do a lot of writing. I use the time productively. But like touring, yeah, it, it, like I say, that getting to go to different places and see different people or even having the idea that you can go to a different country and people will pay to come and watch your music blows my mind <laughs> and it's it's a really really cool experience and it definitely helps you grow as a songwriter too that's awesome yeah and i know um you had u.s plans obviously covid has derailed uh, you know everyone's life plans but what did those look like and and where were you going to hit up we were supposed to be in the states for a month and it was basically all over and it, and it was when those plans were cancelled it was supposed to be in june and i remember sitting watching the news as this horrible freaking thing overtook the planet and just thinking yeah. this year's shot like there's no 
there's absolutely no way <laughs> we're going anywhere this year. Uh, we, got, we got to do one show, well, two shows, like, technically two shows in Germany, but other than that, I think that's the last of touring to at least next summer. And even then, like, I see all the festivals in the UK and I, uh, are putting lineups up, and I'm just like, nah. It's yeah. not, it doesn't matter how optimistic you are, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so have, have you individually or you as a band been to the States before, or that would have been your first time? I've been to the States once in my life. And I was eight years old, and I don't remember much about it. I was in Florida, actually. Uh, my partner and I want to go back to Disneyland, and we're actually gonna we're thinking and trying to book it. But obviously, right now, it's not very right. Because I, I, I don't know what's going on. Are your parks open? Yeah, yeah, they've been busy too. They, yeah, they have been busy. I've known people to to go there, and they say there's not a lot of people there. So, like, ideally, outside of COVID, like this would be an ideal time because you could go on all the rides and everybody it, wearing masks. Yeah, everyone wearing masks. Disney's enforcing them pretty pretty strictly, as you could imagine. Um, One of my favorite things about the internet right now. I don't know if you you see this right, but I'm like a really strong advocate of Black Lives Matter and I, all this all this kind of. Stuff. If you look at there's a thing on Instagram, right? And it's like called Karen's Going Wild, and it's like basically this. It's all like, it's almost like live leak for Karens, right? And it's people that will film people like anti-maskers or like people being racist oh, yeah. in a public forum. And then you get to see like the, the screenshots from them like acting like an asshole to them getting fired and, and their life collapsing around them. And it's so satisfying. It's so brilliant. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully you guys make it back to Florida uh, or you. Know. I hope so. Uh, you know, you as an individual coming to the parks, and of course you as a band, you know, able to go to all the places. Um, even if you don't come to Florida, maybe Mark and I will will definitely make a conservative effort to try to <laughs> try to catch you guys. I would love to come to Florida. Your weather is incredible, <laughs> and you know how to eat proper. Your food is great. Yeah, it, it, listen, it, there's a lot of cool stuff. You know, I used to gripe about it. So here, I'll I'll give you a quick story because my wife's originally from Cleveland, and you know, I'm sure not maybe similar to an extreme of, of the weather in Scotland, but you know, they have their own kind of dark and gloomy area. So every time I were to complain about Florida, she's like, come on, man, what are you doing? She's like, it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, this is way different. You try living in Cleveland in a really, really cold, uh, cold winter. It's depressing and dreary. So uh, yeah, we have, we have a lot to offer. Um, you know, you can, you can stay here if you want, Don't tell my wife, but, but you can stay in my, my spare room. So. Yeah. The only thing I'm scared about are alligators. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck away from alligators. I don't like them. They freak me out so much. Nah. Yeah. The last dinosaur, man. I'd be afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but there's some cool stuff, though. There's a, there's a place I'll called Dinosaur. I'm sorry? I'll take you up on that offer. I'll come yeah. see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you'll, you'll be right next to the kids' room. So, you know. <laughs> do you like PBR? <laughs> I do, yeah. Well, brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we have uh, we have PBR. We get PBR here, but nice. we have to pay a lot of money for it here. Uh -huh. oh, that's uh, helpful. We also get White Claw here. That yeah. You guys, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we have a buddy who uh, who works for for Bud. So we we do. Uh, I mean, I do the the Bud Light seltzers. I don't know, but Mark, you you're not taking those, are you? No. Well, I work for a different beverage company who doesn't right. make seltzers, so I don't drink any of those. <laughs> I used to work for a beverage company too, um, called Brewdog, uh, in Scotland. But let's not enter that conversation. It's probably not good. Probably yeah. not. We can we can have brewery conversations later because I work for one uh, here in the U.S. that I, I won't mention uh, because I use a lot of swear words and have bad things to say, uh, so they don't like me talking about it on the internet. That's fair enough. I mean, yeah, uh, let's definitely set up a separate podcast to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll air out all of our frustrations on the other podcast. <laughs> yeah. So with the next two, um, I know we talked about kind of how you have these songs then for the next album though, but or how, how do you see that taking shape? Like, is there a time frame you guys have or just now you're just taking the, I guess, advantage of having the time to go ahead and write these songs and yeah. you know, what's the time frame in your mind? I, I don't know. I think yeah. like me, like, we originally had planned to go back into the studio in the first quarter of next year. But I, because I'm a firm believer of, like you say, make the use of the time. Ideally, I'd want to go and tour Paradise for a year circuit. Yeah. Like that would be, you, you always want to have at least a year of touring behind you, but we're not going to get to do that. So I think we just have to swallow our pride and just go, right, well, 
it's not worked out the way we wanted it because of a pandemic, but we've got new material. So why not start utilizing the time to get some of it out? And I think that, I think um, we will definitely record another album next year, but I don't know when. And to be fair, there's such a wide diversity of, of music that's coming out of all of us at the moment. Like I'm writing songs for that, that side of things, but I'm also writing songs for myself, which is the first time in years that I've done that. You know, like I use lockdown uh, to write songs that I didn't want to use for my band. Like they, they, they have other reasons. You know, you don't have to always put music out to write it. So for me, it was like a really cool experience. Uh, and especially, I think it was weird. I went through like surges. So I'd write like, I would have like a two week period where I'd write every single day and I've loads of inspiration. And then I'd have like another two week period where I didn't even look at a guitar because I'd seen the same four walls for weeks on end. And it was just going tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the humble, humble approach you have with regards to songwriting. As you said earlier, you know, some people are like, you know, it's so majestic and magical and, you know, uh, Paul McCartney falling out of bed writing, writing yesterday, but and really there's, you know, there's a humble aspect to it. <laughs> that's all, um, that's all musicians trying to justify <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like I mean I don't know I, I read an article I don't know if you've seen this uh, about Kanye West and record labels have you seen yeah. that article yeah I've heard I've about seen. it no absolutely but I heard it's pretty good whatever drugs he's on I, I guess like we should really start sharing them some, with some like with, with some people <laughs> it's well, like anti-psychotics is what he needs to be on put in a straight jacket and locked in a cell and never let out I think would be great <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty on page with that. There you yeah. go. Uh, this is not a, you know, obviously we're, I've, I've never been to Scotland. Mark, have you been to, to that area of the, I have not. the world? Uh, so I don't want to sound ignorant on this, but as far as like the, the scene goes, um, and I know a lot of things in the UK are more revered, I think, than they are here in the US, such as like 50s rock and roll, or rockabilly, uh, maybe even psychobilly. Was, was, there, was there kind of that vibe over when you were growing up or over by oh, really? where you're living? No, you had the Stray Cats. That was probably about the, it's like, we didn't have that. We didn't have that. Like, I guess like there was, in the early 2000s, we had one venue, which they, it was originally a pirate theme bar, which was really, really cool. But they've now turned it into some tiki bar and it's got pirates, quite cool. But they, they had a lot of psychobilly events and rockabilly and like they were, there were a lot of bands that did that, but it was a really remote part of that culture and it was, wasn't way well attended. Like it wasn't ever popular here, yeah. which is a shame because I think it's a great genre of music and I think it's, it takes a lot of skill. Like if you watch Brian Setzner play guitar, that, that guy is insane. Like, and he's like, how old is he now? Like 60 or something? Yeah, he's in his 60s. He's still yeah. doing that. And like still slicking his hair back and <laughs> getting neck tattoos and rocking a Fender basement and a big old Gretsch and just like going for it. And I, I think there, I think there's something about that style of music that's just so cool. Yeah. And like, it definitely feeds into the, the social distortion thing again, because it's like, they look like that, but they don't sound like that. So it's, right. it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And again, before you got on, Mark and I were talking about that. So I just had to ask, cause I know, uh, you know, uh, rockabilly is it's, it's niche, right? So I think you, it's you just dirty, have limitations. It's, it's dirty buddy Holly. That's how I always class it. <laughs> Dirty Buddy Holly. Nice. And it's like, it sounds sleazy and raunchy and cool. It's yeah. like really, really cool. I don't, I don't know if you've ever like, they all wear these like really stupidly tight leather jackets and uh, it's just like, it must be so uncomfortable to play in that attire. But I guess yeah. they all love it. So, I always wanted to join a rockabilly band, but I never had the hair for it. So I just never did it. Comfortable. Um, but I feel like if you said to, to Mike Ness, like you guys sound like, uh, dirty buddy Holly like I could just feel him clutching his chest and like welling up with a tear in his eye like <laughs> and what a compliment that really is like to be able to pull that off and, and for it to be of quality um, yeah. I think that's a really cool description yeah I just think it is and the thing is that's like it's funny because rock bands now seem to forget where rock and roll actually comes from yeah and, like, and it doesn't come from white guys playing Les Pauls, like it, it's not Led Zeppelin, it's none of that, you know, and I think like they just do forget that. I think sure. a lot of it, without, and, and that's the thing that like blows my mind is that people seem to forget that without black culture or in, like even, even like Ray Charles, like anybody like that, rock and roll wouldn't exist. And like, it's never really widely acknowledged nowadays. And I think that's really sad, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a car crash of sorts of all different 
cultures and music, right? That then arrived at where Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a lot of those records my father had, you know, uh, growing up, um, and uh, absolutely. I mean, Chuck Berry, all those, all those people. I like Chuck Berry, but uh, he's a bit of a questionable character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark watched something recently on him, and he's like, "Did you know all of these things that happened?" Because I mean, he lived quite a quite a long time, and I was like, yeah. "Oh wow!" After his musical career, and of course, most notably, cameras and toilets. I mean, that's yeah. white and women, piece of shit. I but, you know about the dirty magazines. The funny thing about him was, uh, I, I actually read this was in Keith Richards' book, and it yeah. was talking about how when Keith Richards did a tour with Chuck Berry, I don't know if you've seen the footage of it. There's live footage of them and Chuck Berry, like he was a mean guy. He would he would shout and scream at people and throw things at people, and he always demanded to be paid in a briefcase of money in advance before the show. He never took any other form of payment other than cash in a briefcase, right mm-hmm. up until he died, and he wanted paid when he arrived. Which is crazy. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird that like it takes a year like 2020 for you to look back and go, you know, Keith Richards is kind of a normal guy. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't know. There's a documentary on Netflix about him and it's fucking crazy. You yeah. actually like, just sit and watching him like chain smoke cigarettes, drink like vodka and orange for breakfast and sit in this room. And I'm going to go out and say it right now. I actually don't think he's that great a musician. Yeah, like, I, he, I, I was sitting there watching him play guitar and I'm like, dude, you're, you're just too old to be doing this now. Like, I still think he wrote some of the best songs in the world, but that doesn't make him a great player. Like, like I think Gimme Shelter is one of my favorite songs of all time. But do I think that he could, like, he was just sitting in this room drunk playing a guitar. Like, and I'm like, you not bored of doing that now? Like, you've been doing that for like 50 years. It's funny you say that because a year ago, yeah, it was a year ago, August, our, it, you know, Florida time frame also goes off of hurricane. So I have to imagine, I have to think about which hurricane was about to hit and what was the sequence of events uh, regarding that. But I saw the, um, the, the Rolling Stones and um, I, I told Mark, I think right after, I was like, you know, Ronnie Wood held down the whole fort on the guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. Ronnie Wood was a far better player. And of course, he was in the faces. Which is, yeah. I, I just think incredible musician all around. Yeah, I was like, but he was doing everything, and and Richards was doing his whole, you know, the whole shindig, playing a couple chords every once in a while, playing them on the neck, kind of half doing it. But I was like, the whole, I was like, yeah. the whole guitar sound is coming from Ronnie Wood. Like Rancid, so Lars Fredrickson plays guitar in Rancid. Tim Armstrong does not play guitar. Tim you're Armstrong right. You're right. Does not, does not also a piece of shit too, by the way. But uh, <laughs> wait, wait, Tim or Lars? Who are you Armstrong. About? Yeah, he. Uh, he had a wife called Brody Dow that he didn't yeah. know very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's with the guys from Queens, Queens of the Stone Age, right? Josh Holm, yeah. The yeah. most attractive man in rock and roll. We we did uh and good band an underrated band in my opinion by the um mm-hmm. by the way we did a spotlight series on Rancid on one of our uh, episodes and that was awesome uh just going through all the all the uh, records right Mark. I love Rancid yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I still think one of the best things they did was that California Sun song that they did for South Park. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, so absolutely. It was on the South Park soundtrack. And what's awesome, because Lars is doing the uh, um, lead vocals on that, but there was a, uh, there's a Life Won't Wait demo of that song where Tim's doing it, and it's more of a kind of rock steady dub version. Um, mm. e- equally awesome. But that song is, is pretty badass. I liked his Poets Life record. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. I also liked Lars Fredrickson and the Bastards. I also thought they were hands down one of the best bands really viking is an amazing record yeah it's so good it's so good, so Love, good. It. Love it. i'm liking the old firm casualties those records are cool they're very primal they um, are but they feel very like like man i wish i could get more largest songs on this rancid album and like <laughs> get these i was always a fan of Lars songs yeah I, I think like as well like you're absolutely right. I, I don't know if you saw that tour he did just literally before lockdown where he was just yeah. traveling in venues with an electric guitar. Yeah, we, absolutely. Yeah. We watched it. It was awesome. Playing songs literally like without a band, but still playing like punk songs, which I thought was nobody's ever done that. And yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock, I guess. He does oh, that. yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. I love Rancid. I always have loved Rancid. Yeah, Mark will send me stuff on Instagram and be like, Lars is selling his uh, old WWF ring. You might want to get it. I'm like, oh, let me check it out. <laughs> he sells all this, like, he collects, like, loads of action figures. Yeah. And yeah. he's, like, selling entire cabinets of action figures right now. Uh, it's so That's cool. so weird. Like, 
I think the other day he posted like a, a pair of his shoes, like collector's shoes that he hadn't worn that he just bought to collect. And I was like, or he was, I think he, maybe he was looking for these shoes. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, you're one of like the icons of 90s punk rock, right? Like you're like un, unmistakable guy. And the world is out looking for shoes for you right now because you threw it out there. Like it's, it's so <laughs> wild to me. Yeah. And uh, do you know what? Again, probably one of the best live bands thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But yeah, Tim would... didn't really do much. He just kind of sat at the same stage and kind of mumbled some lyrics in a vocal microphone. But yeah, great, great band. <laughs> great, no, totally great band. I wish they would do a whole um, show of uh, Ranza 2000 front to back. I would love to hear them duplicate that because I love that record so much. I love Let's Go. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, to be honest, it's the 25th anniversary of Commonwealth's. Like yeah. literally a couple of weeks, no, last week, and they've just done some really cool limited merch for that as well. Actually, it's quite cool. But I like like even like Operation Ivy. Like I like Operation Ivy, yep. and, and like all the, like Bad Brains, and like I I just think like yeah, it's it's weird how like everyone always talks about Black Flag, right? I <laughs> I like Black Flag, right? But I think people, it's a bit like you ask half the people who are like wearing a Black Flag T-shirt, they probably don't know who Black Flag are. It's like when you, it's like when you go and you see all these girls or, or young guys wearing Misfits t-shirts, and you're like, do you know what that logo is? Like, I think Misfits have probably made more money on merch than they ever have on records. <laughs> but it's like it's it's like one of these things where, like, the, those bands are kind of like fading away now. Like, yeah. it's gone are the days where Hot Topic sells Ramones t-shirts. Yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. Well, one t-shirt you won't find, which we also did another episode on, was Fugazi. And Mark and I absolutely Fugazi. Waiting Room, one of the I mean, best songs of all time. We, we did a two-parter episode, and honestly, at the end of it, we needed therapy. Like, Mark and I are like, I, we got to go speak to someone after digging into these albums because they were, it was so amazingly exhausting. <laughs> but they have, like, a lot of bootleg live DVDs that you can yeah. get. You guys yeah. awesome. And they're, they're actually really good quality. There's, like, I think they tried to record every possible live show they could, and then I think they're, like, a dollar each, or, like, I think most of them are – if you go on the Fugazi website, just a donation, whatever you want, and they give the money to, it's Fugazi, that you know that they're giving the money to something helpful. Um, and, you, and you get the entire show to download. Like, it's, it's just such a cool, that band, every time. Every time, every time. Yeah, they're great. Even Rights of Spring, too, looking at Guy Pachado's old band. I mean, that was, that was, that yeah. was awesome, too. Man, we, we can nerd it out and talk about this for, for so long. Quick, quick, quick question for you, Ross, on the, um, uh, on the merchandise front, De Death Chasers. Do you guys have that available in vinyl? Because I will purchase that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll send, we'll send you one. That's cool. You don't need to pay for it. We'll send oh. you one. Uh, can you, what to do is after this, just send Jamie your address and we'll get one shipped. Oh, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Thank no you problem. so much. Um, I mean, like I said, I know this was uh, – kind of you talking about cold years and it's kind of ventured off to all musical chat. So we really, we, we appreciate that because I, I think you're obviously your lover just the way we are as, as music. And we can talk about this all day long. <laughs> I think it's such a, it's a cool thing. Like, yeah. It's like, I just, I don't know. I was brought up with it. So it's like, obviously like a huge passion in your life. I think yeah. and it's like, you can get lost in it. I'm lucky enough to have a partner. It's the same. So she like, she adores music, like lives and breathes it. And it's cool because you end up having these conversations with each other about it all the time. And like, I couldn't imagine being in, imagine like not being interested in music. How shit would life be? <laughs> like, I, I could be one of these guys that like lives for Spotify playlists and listens to fucking, I don't know, Cardi B all the time. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not dissing her because she's, she's actually great. But I don't know. Like, I just think there's like a whole, like a lot of people consume music, but they don't appreciate it or love it yeah a lot of it is it just as mark would tell me uh for some people it just exists but i think there's a deeper you know level and a lot of this project that mark and i started was to kind of really dig and peel back those layers and see what a lot of this stuff is uh you know my my wife's the same way i mean the minute i put on your guys record just so you know she's like oh this is legit first of all she loves your voice she's like you know she's like the singer's got a fantastic voice um it, it's almost one of those points again not being fanboy but it's like hearing music kind of for the for, for the first time in a while. So, you know, Mark and I are big fans of your guys and, and we can't wait for your uh, for success in the U.S. And we're not, you know, we're going to be telling everybody on earth about you know, that we know about you guys. So. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah totally. Thank you very much. Well, uh, 
typically we we end the show by announcing the the record we're going to listen to uh, for next week. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, a, a record you would recommend for us to listen to uh, for next week? You've probably already heard it, but the Last Interrupters record is fantastic. Like I I love that band so much. I think they I are probably. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I just I love that Scott's making a comeback, and yeah. uh, I love that record. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, I get it's, it's such an awesome album. Like, and and there's so many. Like, it's literally one of those albums you can put on and listen to, start to finish, and and just not like, she's kerosene. Such a jam. Like, it's such a cool album. It's effortless. Also, weird that they're all related. A little bit. Yep. Could yeah, be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. So we could definitely do that. Uh, definitely make it interrupters episode. Definitely uh, appreciate uh, the recommendation. Um, so yeah, so definitely thank you for your time, Ross, today. Again, I know you're super busy and, and I know it's kind of spawned off in different directions, but I'm I mean, not this... super busy. I'm super hungover and this has been really good. This hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, again, the band is Cold Years. And Ross, if you just want to uh, leave uh, everyone with the best way to keep in touch with you guys and find out all the happenings. Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff that I hate. You can find it on all social media. So do I. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, yeah, that's where I find us. Uh, we have some merch for sale. We still have, we sold quite a lot of the, the custom vinyls, but there's still some black ones left. We'll be restocking the shop in the next couple of weeks. And we have quite a lot of merch available too. So check it out. Yep. Absolutely. The album is Paradise. It's awesome. Uh, it's my favorite record right now. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, so absolutely, <laughs> absolutely check it out. And for everyone listening, uh, thank you for listening. You can check us out on Instagram, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, YouTube. Uh, thank you. And uh, be safe in the world out there. Yep. Thank you. Bye.